Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, 9th, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell podcast. In today's episode, I want to share what I hope happens to our children once they quote-unquote leave the barn, meaning after they leave home, they go to college, and they start to make their own way in the world. After all, isn't that the whole point of parenthood? To prepare our children to leave the nest and become upstanding and productive citizens of the world? What actually happens after learning from you for 18 years, and hopefully listening to and learning from me for four years by way of their Preple Academy videos? Does anything that we say actually stick? Do we make any difference? Because there are so many lessons to pass on. This is what I hope to explore in this episode. Now, admittedly, my sample size is small, given that the only subjects in this case study are my twin sons. And a sample size of two isn't exactly enough to make any sweeping generalizations. But given how much time I've been spending with them over the last few weeks, I thought I'd give it a shot. And by the way, to add some additional data points to this study, I'd love to hear from any parents out there who are seeing their children make the most out of their college experiences. Of course, I've gotten a lot of great feedback over the years from parents who appreciate what Prepwell Academy has done for their families during the college admissions process, but not as much feedback on what happens once their kids actually get to college. Does this stuff actually work? Was anything sticky? Was all this hard work for naught? And part of the reason I'm bringing this topic up is because I've had the blessing of spending a lot of time with my twin sons for the last five weeks or so during an extended winter break from college. They're both freshmen in college, they both go to Yale, and they both have had a lot to report on over the last few weeks, sometimes to me, sometimes around the dinner table, or while we're working out, and oftentimes just with each other. And I've been a fly on the wall, taking it all in. And the reason I'm bringing this topic up is because I was struck over and over again by how many skills and strategies and tactics that they picked up during high school, and especially during the college admissions process, that they have now seemingly incorporated into their lives. I would hear them say something, for example, in casual conversation with each other, and I found myself looking over to my wife and making eye contact with her as if to say, did you hear what I just heard? Because we couldn't believe it. They were actually talking about stuff that we had spent years trying to teach them, often with little to no feedback, as if this was just part of everyday life. It was a big surprise because the college admissions process was tough for them, as it was for most students. And what my wife and I expected of them, which was a lot, was not always well received. 
In fact, I might even say not often well-received because we ask them to do hard things. We ask them to trust us. We ask them to take a leap of faith that these things would pay off, quote-unquote, down the road because we knew that these were the things that would pay off down the road. But you as a parent know that there's a fine line between our expectations and reality. And that's the needle that we try to thread every day. Now, we didn't have any big blowouts and screaming matches and fights during the whole college admissions process, thankfully. But the boys, they did have very full plates, and we expected them to put their very best foot forward. So while my sons were home from college for a few weeks, and they got comfortable at home again, and they let down their guard at times, what did I hear observe and experience? Well, quite a lot. And I'd like to go through a few of these things that I heard them say and witnessed them do that made me think that maybe a few of these Preble Academy lessons actually did stick. Let's start with a quote that I heard them say over and over again. The quote is, figure it out, dude. Just figure it out. I heard this over and over again from one twin to the other. It was a very common refrain. I heard it downstairs, upstairs, while they talked to each other in their respective bedrooms through the walls. This was in the context of selecting their next semester classes, requesting a change of major, unraveling their school's cryptic COVID return to campus policies, responding to cryptic emails. And as a parent, this was music to my ears. They weren't running to me or to my wife to solve these problems. And many times we were sitting right there or a room away. They didn't even consider asking us for help. They would constantly remind each other, dude, figure it out. I found this to be a very positive sign. As much of college and dare I say life is figuring things out on your own. This concept of learning to figure things out on your own is something that I harp on over and over and over again during the Preple Academy videos. Thankfully, this is one concept that seems to have stuck. Then let's talk about study environments. I talk often, especially in ninth and 10th grade Prepwell lessons, about the importance of your study environment. Where do you do your studying? Do you study while lounging on your bed that's not made? Or in the cafeteria at school that's loud and distracting? Or in front of the TV? Or with your phone close at hand? And I try my best to correlate the cleanliness and order and quiet of your study environment with how you will perform academically. And the correlation is clear. If you commit to keeping a clean desk, a decluttered room, you have ample lighting and quiet, you are setting yourself up for success. And you can imagine how that message is received by a teenager. So think of the joy that I found in listening to my son's debate with some vigor at times over who found the better library at school to study in. Which was the most remote, or the coolest, or the one with the darkest mahogany tables, or the oldest book selection, one at the law school that nobody knew about, the one with a working fireplace, the one with best access to the gym, or the one that allowed 
food and drink. These debates would go on and on and on. What this told me is that they were taking their study environment seriously. It mattered what the vibe was like, how they felt when they were there, and what mood it put them into. This is academic gold and something that I hope they learn from the constant messaging inside Prepwell Academy. Next was networking. This was a major topic of conversation that I heard them talk about both together and with me and with my wife. Networking with their roommates, networking with other students, upperclassmen, with their academic dean, with professors, with members of different clubs, other athletes, other ROTC students, parents of their roommates, coaches, business people, dining hall servers, alumni. They were knowingly reaching out and developing relationships with people from every walk of life. This is a very important skill. For my sons, networking at Yale, and any college for that matter, might be one of the most important long-term strategies that they could possibly work on. The opportunities are endless if you make the time to get to know people and help people out and make yourself a known entity. And I can only hope that they learned the importance of this skill thanks to Preppel Academy's insistence that they connect and build relationships with their guidance counselor starting in ninth grade, their teachers, especially their 11th grade teachers, their water polo, lacrosse, swimming, and basketball coaches, their debate team leader, their senior Boy Scout leader, the college representatives who came onto campus, their high school campus, their alumni interviewers, their high school principal, and the list goes on and on and on. For many high schoolers, this seems to be one of the most challenging lessons. For one reason or another, high schoolers seem to be very reluctant to reach out to important adults in their lives, to build relationships with them, to communicate with them. And it's a massive missed opportunity. So when I heard my sons discussing how to best reach out to their ROTC commanding officer or how to best solicit speakers for a leadership conference they were working on or how to connect with the Yale crew coach or how to try to get themselves invited to a Navy SEAL rucking competition or how to get special permission to get into a class called Introduction to the Occult Sciences. Yes, that's a real class. I couldn't help but think that the time they spent building relationships with adults in high school seemed to be paying off. What about time management? When you get to college, time can be your friend or your foe. How are you going to deal with having two classes a day, maybe even one class in a day? And at the outset, this sounds like a great schedule. No homework. Wow, even better. I can get used to this college thing, right? More me time. But soon enough, you realize that you're not in high school anymore and that you're in charge of your own time. And if you choose to spend 16 hours a day playing video games, have at it. No one's going to stop you. But hopefully, in short order, this newfound freedom starts to make you nervous. Why exactly do I seem to have so much discretionary time? The answer probably lies in your semester reading list for all of your classes. 
You may have dozens of books and articles and documents to read and papers to write and research to do. And it's up to you to figure out when to read the books and when to write the papers and when to do the research. And if you didn't pay a lot of attention to your high school schedule and how to deconflict sporting events and music class and your AP study groups, then this may be a difficult transition for you because you are now in charge. This is why I have several Prepwell videos that teach time management, that ask you to map out your classes and your tests weeks ahead of time. I ask you to create a test-taking timeline. I'm not doing that for fun. I urge you to hang up a yearly calendar, at least a quarterly calendar, on your wall so you can see the heat map in your schedule of where the big cluster of tests are, where the activities are. And if you decided to take me up on this advice, you'd be a lot better off, both in high school and college, because you'll have experience with that. So once again, I smiled on the inside when I heard my son tell me that he finally figured out how to solve a potential scheduling conflict with a philosophy class that he wanted to take and crew practice. Through planning ahead, he saw that this philosophy class ended at 3.45, even though he was supposed to be on the bus driving out to the crew boathouse by 3.45. How could he do this? He told me that he did some research. He figured out that that philosophy class was a 200-person lecture class in a big lecture hall, and that he'd be able to sneak out five minutes early in order to run down to the bus stop, catch the crew bus, and get to crew practice. He would be cutting it close, but in his opinion, it was doable. Now, that's what I call thinking ahead, doing your homework, doing research, and taking time management seriously. These are the little things that make a big difference when you're on your own. But the practice starts in high school. And lastly, thinking big. Preppel Academy usually attracts students with high aspirations. And I try to give examples in the weekly video lessons and during these podcasts about students who think big and have big dreams. And if you see enough examples of people, including your peers, who push themselves and challenge themselves to do some wild stuff, you may get inspired to do the same. And lo and behold, as I'm listening to my two sons map out their proposed class schedule over the next three years, I was excited to hear that they were considering double majoring. They were considering starting a new language, a new foreign language like Russian. They were thinking about what it would take to win a Rhodes Scholarship upon graduation and found out that you needed at least a 3.7 GPA, so maybe that would influence what classes they would take. My point here is that they were not just trying to squeeze by. They were allowing their minds to explore and consider anything and everything. I never heard them talk about a single opportunity that they thought was out of their reach, including making the crew team as a walk-on, going to law school, pursuing a joint JD-MBA, trying out for the Navy SEALs, writing a book, dropping out of college to start a business, taking a gap year, buying a sprinter van and traveling the world and surfing for a year. These were all things that were on the table that they were debating, as unrealistic as they may seem on their face. From what I observed, 
it appeared as if, if they could imagine it, they felt it was within their grasp. And that, as parents, is what I think we want for our kids. This type of worldview represents what's called a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. And I cover this topic both directly and indirectly many times inside the PrepWell videos. And I was ecstatic to discover that my son seemed to be more, at least right now, more on the growth mindset side versus the fixed mindset side of things. It was very gratifying to see, to witness this type of personal growth in my two sons over the course of just a few months in college. They had come a long way in a short amount of time. So many of the things that I, and by extension Preple Academy, tried to teach them seemed to be shining through, whether they knew it or not. And it wasn't like they ran up to me and said, Hey, Dad, thanks for all the Prepwell lessons for the last four years. Golly gee, they're really coming in handy. Of course that's not going to happen. For one, as parents, we rarely get any credit for any lessons we try to pass along to our kids, nor should we probably expect such credit. And secondly, it's not like there was a Prepwell lesson called How to Think Big or How to Network in College. Instead, these were the ideas that were sprinkled throughout the lessons over the course of years. Some of the lessons were more explicit than others. Some were practical and straightforward. Some were more tactical, where others were more strategic and high level. Others were more indirect and obtuse. But when taken together, at least from what I've just observed for the last five weeks, it seems that many of these lessons have landed. And I honestly think that a lot of this observable growth is the result of, number one, early intervention, ideally starting in ninth grade, two, long-term exposure to these concepts, I'm talking three to four years, number three, continuous reinforcement from multiple sources, not just the parents, but teachers, coaches, and their prep well videos, number four, engaged parents parents who are trying to stay on top of these things. And lastly, number five, at least a moderately interested and motivated student. Obviously, the more motivated, the better. And in my opinion, all of this goodness can be catalyzed during the college admissions process, which acts as a microcosm of the real world, of what the real world will throw at you sooner than you think. So please, Take these three to four years in the life of your teenager seriously, and hopefully one day, you too will be smiling on the inside when your child comes home from college for the holidays, and they start spouting off about things that they want to do and see and be and conquer. It will warm your heart. Now, if you've had similar experiences with your child during their break from college, please share them in the comments below. I'd love to start gathering a long list of testimonials that encourage parents and their children to stick with it, because even though it's not easy, it is worth it. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. If you know a parent with an 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, 12th grader in high school that might find this helpful, please share the episode with them. You can do that by finding that small box with a tiny arrow pointing up. That's the share button. Click that button, text your friends the link to this episode with a little personal note from you recommending that they give it a listen. 
Of course, if you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email, DM me on Instagram, check out our blog, Facebook page, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.